This is 20 Questions on Design Lake City. I'm Aaron. Today we have Jessica Bender. Hey, what's up? Hey, thanks so much for joining us. Oh gosh, thank you so much for inviting me and just considering me as a, as a guest. Oh yeah. I mean, with all that experience, we had to have you on. <laughs> um, so about that, Jessica is an interior designer. She's been working professionally almost 20 years with um, different designers and architects locally, and she started her own business. How, how long ago have you been yeah, doing that? Technically, I think I started it in 2006. Okay. So, you know, f- four, four or five years. No, oh. longer. My yeah. math. 15? <laughs> wow. 14? Okay. So, and, and it's called <laughs> um, Box Street Design. Yes. You can find Box Street on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And you probably have a web page too, Box Street. Mm-hmm. And um, she's she's worked on a ton of uh, local and actually national residential and commercial projects. And you all listeners might know Cubbies, the local eatery franchise that she's been the lead designer for. Yeah. So um, check out Cubbies, really cool design. Actually, mm-hmm. you can check out the design. Great food. Yeah, you get all in one. Food's good too. Yeah. So we are going to ask you twenty questions. Okay. And you know the drill. So let's do it. We'd like to thank the sponsor for this episode, Curate to the Trade, Utah's design trade showroom, a resource for sourcing, knowledge, and inspiration. For more information, visit www.curatetothetrade.com. Question one. What is your favorite drink? Right now, it is an oat milk latte with mm. a single shot. I'm trying to cut back on caffeine, nice. but... It's my, it's like, like what makes me happy in the morning. Ooh, yeah. I've been doing the oat milk too. I yeah. It. It's a way better taste than almond milk. Yeah. Which really surprised me because I like almond milk. Right. A little less sweet. Yeah. So on that note, what's your greatest indulgence? Sleeping in. Mm. <laughs> Always. Great answer. When possible. Yeah. When possible. Is that possible? You run your own business, so you can kind of. I do. I, I mean, I, I, I've gotten a lot better. I mean, there were, there were years where I was like. I don't know. It seemed like, I mean, I could get up. I always get up early if I have to, but I, um, unless I'm like pretty stoked to do something, I'm going to like take it easy in the morning, mm. but I also work in the evenings often. Oh, okay. So it's, there's a trade off. Yeah. Cool. Question three, what needs a redesign? You know, this is a weird one cause I don't have kids, but I, my husband's a product designer mm-hmm. and I have told him ev- like just since forever, like those, the car seats for the babies in the car. Yeah. When I see women walking around with them, it just, it makes me like so, I mean, so here's the thing. Obviously they're safe. That was the number one. Yep. But when you try, when you see someone trying to deal with one of those with a baby that's more than like, you know, brand new, they look miserable. Oh, they're clunky. They just look like, and then it looks like the baby's like, like they're like bouncing off the hip and it looks Mm -hmm. so not ergonomically correct for your body. So I would love to see a redesign on that, even though it has nothing to do with my industry, but they're really... Yeah. I'm going to take some notes. We, we actually at my office work in baby product um, awesome. category. Oh, so, good. I'm so glad yeah. I can have this positive influence. Yeah, on that's a good one. Because now you, you said that, yeah, that's it's like horrific to have have to put that huge thing in your like mm-hmm. the crick of your elbow. And you always want to like help the mom like, oh, I'll yeah. carry it. And then yeah. you're like, I might be hurting the baby because right yeah. now it's like they're tipping and they're like, they just seem like something about it feels really wrong to me. Yeah, I know. I, I think you're right. Like better to just like kind of like open the door for them like, or something else. Yeah, there. yeah, for sure. And you kind of you see why moms would be like or dads would be like, uh. I'll just leave him in the car. Just run in because it just looks so hard. Yeah. And that's illegal. So it's just like you're in a bad spot. Yeah. Good one. Question four, (laughs) the mandatory question, which is the getting to know you question, your origin story. How did you get your start in design? Okay. So it's, it's complicated, but I'll try to make quick work of it. I, you know, I, 
when I was young, I didn't consider myself an artist or designer. There wasn't in my family any artists or I didn't really consider that like a path. And so when I was young, I kind of wrote it off. And then Mm -hmm. I had just some good influences. I had some friends that said, you know, you seem like you're into this or got me into photography class or this or that. And as I went through high school, I got into a ceramics class. And I think that was the first time that I was like, oh, this is something you can learn. Like you can enjoy it and learn it. And Mm. it's not just because you like when you're young, it's like you have good handwriting. You would be a good artist or something. I don't know why that comes up for me. But (laughs) anyway, so I. So I just had good friends, good friends that a couple of my friends that were both artists and mm. and they had more art in their family and they took more art classes and lessons and stuff in high school. And then I went to the University of Utah and had kind of settled on architecture um, and got in this like fast track program for architecture. And I took a class there that kind of exposed me. It was this it was an awesome class. It was a class where like half of it was about. Um, architectural literature and half of it was about architectural or just just art basically and we had these sketchbooks where you had to like write on one side and then draw on the other hmm. so like you were taking notes all the time but some but in both word and oh, visual what a cool exercise it was very cool I'm gonna remember that and I think it like I think it solidified that I was in the right place in some ways and then it was the honestly it was the math and science that like kind of like killed it off the dream. I was like, oh, this is not for me. But that class was like my gateway into art. Mm. So then I went to the art program at the U. Okay. And then I did, I started in graphic design and then I realized I didn't really want to do it. I think I even told my parents that I didn't make it into the program because that's how little I want to do it. And I didn't apply. I don't know why that was like, made me feel better. Interesting. I failed. And then (laughs) I went to Utah State and did interior design there. Um, But like, wasn't, like, I love Logan. I made a bunch of friends there, but mm-hmm. I didn't love the program. I think being exposed to, like, the art program at the U was just a little more liberal and, like, huh. anyway. So back to the U, yeah. graduated in art teaching. Oh, wow. So you bounced around quite I a bit around. for that so first phase. I picked yeah. art teaching because you could do all the different art classes, but you didn't um, – you don't have to, like, commit to them, but you mm. got to, like, experience them. Okay. And then I didn't take the art teaching classes – and somehow talked someone into, at the U into letting that be like a degree. Like it was art teaching without art te- without actually teaching classes because oh. I had so many credits at that point. They probably just wanted me like to like be a success story. <laughs> You're so done. Like Get out, out the here. door. And then the designer that I worked for at the time, Linda Johnson, um, was just insistent. So I, I got a job at an interior designers at some point during my six years of school, mm-hmm. undergraduate. And she brought up Parsons, and she just said, oh, it's the greatest school in the country. It's the mm. oldest design program. She was the first time I'd even heard the name. Right. And so I took a portfolio and literally stayed in the hostel and showed my portfolio and inter- interviewed a bunch of schools in New York, and I picked Parsons. And so anyway, Parsons was like my formal interior design school education. Mm. Okay. But at that point, I had worked for an interior designer already and had a little bit of like a insight into the industry. Yeah. So did you have to go back for undergrad um, and kind of finish that stuff up or were you there for a graduate? I I just did graduate school there. Okay. So I finished at the U in the Mm. art teaching. Mm -hmm. Again, I don't know how that was legit, but it was, I have an actual degree. It says art teaching on it. It says art teaching. Cool. Um, And and yeah, I think I emphasized in ceramics. Um, Yeah. Art teaching, it basically like I, it, it worked out for me. I think now they're a lot better. Like the design program at the U, now the multidisciplinary, that didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no interior design at the time really in Salt Lake. There might have been a couple of programs, but I'd already put all this credit into the U. And I loved art. And interior design, funny enough, the way I saw it was it was like it was my architecture and my art like coming together. Totally. And I feel like 
my experience in the art program wasn't always about me being an artist. It was about me learning about art in like a hands-on way. Mm. You know, like I knew that sitting in a dark room um, looking at slides for art history, for example, like wasn't going to work for me. Like it's just never been something I've never been really great at like tests and memorizing and all that stuff, Mm -hmm. but I love it. And so it was like, I got to learn from, you know, this great ceramics teacher or this great metal work teacher. Mm. So I got like this hands-on experience of art and it just gave me a different understanding of it. Um, but one that I really appreciate and I'm really grateful that somehow I came up with that idea. Yeah. It's cool to have that foundation and then go to Parsons and get thick into interior. Like the straight up, like yeah, this is how this works. This is how to do presentations. And mm. I was forced into AutoCAD, which I still use a lot. Right. But it's like, you know, that wasn't my thing, but now I use it all the time. Necessary evil. Exactly. Exactly. For sure. D- did you consider staying in New York? Like Parsons was is like right in Manhattan, right? Did, yeah. Did you consider like trying to stay there and work or yes. was that not really in the cards for you? I mean, yes and no. I mm-hmm. graduated in the winter. I mean, I ended up in a winter semester mm. um, of 2007. Okay. And so actually almost everyone that I went to school with they were not getting jobs and mm. um, they were getting like free unpaid, you know, unpaid internships with not the like, you know, with decent design firms, but yeah. jobs were not abundant yeah. at the time. Gotcha. Um, and I also, I I know that it's like hard, you know, I, I knew that the path was you work for someone else, you kind of get beat up for a long time and then you kind of grow out of it and go on to your own thing. Um, even that opportunity wasn't super available, but I think I knew that that probably wasn't going to work for me. And I was yep. probably going to have to do it the hard way. Honestly, I think it's in some ways it's the harder way to do it. Just go on your own. Yeah. Cause I, I had started doing freelance work while I was there and I took on actually a few independent projects while I was there. And I think I'm, I'm just a little more scrappy. Like I want the on like on site experience. Mm, like I would mm. rather say yes to something mm. difficult and then figure out how to do it. than right take what might've been a safer route, which would be to work for someone else and Mm. like, you know, do AutoCAD for them for three or four years. You'd be a CAD monkey. Yeah. And I, again, like, you know, like I said, the dark rooms don't work well for me, like Mm -hmm. the kind of like sitting still. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of took the other route. I think also at the time there, it required a lot of creativity to just figure out how to like stay in the industry and stay, um, get experience and kind of keep exploring it without going the traditional route because it wasn't even all that available at the time. Mm. So yeah, so I left New York mm. pretty much because I knew that I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. I was I was poor. <laughs> and I was, you know, when you're in the city and you don't have money, it is tough. Yep. Like people that are in New York are just tough people. Yep. And I I think I was just getting a little worn out on like, you know, my best the girl, one of my best friends that still lives there, you know, she would go to her in-laws up in Vermont for a month every summer and she would, her parents live in the woods in New Jersey and she had all these ways to get out. Gotcha. And she's like, why are you leaving? I'm like, because yeah. I'm stuck here. Yeah. Like I am like hitting the pavement every single day, like just to get by. Like it's a pretty lonely city too. And I didn't really find my people when yeah. I was there. Interesting. So yeah, there were a few things about it that was like, it's time to go to the West. And I mm-hmm. um, knew it was time, not necessarily to come back to Salt Lake, but Salt Lake was like, I'm going to go take a break, take the summer. And I actually applied to a lot of places on the West Coast. So I can't, yeah. And then I I toyed with the idea of moving back to New York at different points. But anyway, Mm -hmm. at the time, it was kind of like the right time to leave just because of a lot of circumstances. Yeah. And the recession kind of like Mm -hmm. right at the cusp of the recession. Mm -hmm. I mean, people are losing their jobs that had, you know, 10 years experience. Yeah. And a lot of my friends that we put all this money into this 
school now we're you know going back to bartending and things mm-hmm. like that and um just like yeah i could tough it out here but my opportunities for growing even as a designer didn't seem as relevant there as they could be in other places at the time yeah so gotcha. and luckily i've been able to go back and do a lot of work there so oh yeah i feel like i have kind of cheated the system that way but that's huge and we've we've talked to like other designers too like how, who use salt lake as a home base it seems mm-hmm. like a really good home base and you can yeah. still have clients in toronto or san yeah, francisco for or, sure you know no for sure i think now especially where so much work can be done remotely easily it's it's totally attainable mm. Okay, well, we'll come back to like the love story with Salt Lake. Okay, cool. Um, so, but what I, I'd like to know about a project, like after you know, you've been working professionally for almost twenty years. Yeah. We can't talk about talk about all your projects, but maybe there's like one like innovative or embarrassing, crazy project story you can give <laughs> yeah, us. Yeah, you you know the question when you on your question you say like, what's this great project you've done or a crazy story? And yeah. I knew right away. I was like, I'm gonna have to tell you the crazy story. Yes. Because I have worked on a lot of great projects, but I've had way more crazy stories than I have like famous projects. Right. Um, okay. So. Um, this was a, just over a year ago. Speaking of scrappy, okay, this is yeah, like recent. true. Yeah, this is like true how I seem to work. So um, it was a job in New York. I have a client there that I've worked for for years and they, you know, they come to me and say, oh, we, we're going to renovate our penthouse. Like, can you help us do this and this and that? And so, you know, I'm like, yeah, I know the drill. I kind of know how to work with them. I know it's important for them. Like, I know a lot of that stuff. So I was like, yeah, of course. And it was just like a really multifaceted job. I was moving moving some of their stuff out, moving stuff in, going to their storage unit. And then like we were purchasing a lot of new stuff and Mm. time. And it was, we were trying to get it done before Thanksgiving. And the contractor is like kind of one of these classic New York, just like grumpy guys who I like as a person, but is genuinely difficult to work with Mm because he's kind of like, well, that's not going to work. Like he's just not, he's not like a, not a yes man. Yeah, no, he wasn't. He's not, (laughs) he's the best, but he's not a yes man. So we, you know, I'm trying to just like squeeze everything in the best I can and, you know, asking people for favors and miracles and this and that. So one of the, one of the things I had going on is we reupholstered her swan sofa. It's a, mm-hmm. is it Arnie Jacobson that did the swan sofa? Um, or am I misspeaking? Yeah, that sounds right. We'll have <laughs> we to might have that to like edit notes at the end. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so this beautiful sofa, she had done, reupholstered it a couple of years before, but she really was not happy with it. And so she's like, I really want one of those leathers. It's really natural. Like broken in like Mm. beautiful aged leather like the ages over time and so we talked you know we talked about what those options were we get it done but even though it's one of those leathers that's going to start and it's i forget the right term for it but either way yeah um it's supposed to like take on oils and age over time right so we get it done but of course it has not yet received any of these like beautiful natural you know touches and things like that i want to say patina but yes exactly exactly so um i mean the same way like vintage i mean this client specifically Mm. like buys almost all vintage and so to Mm. have like a brand new upholstered leather sofa and it was gonna be her kitchen sofa actually like for her dining table and so anyway we get it done i send her a picture because she's in like south america or something at the time I send her a picture, hey, it's gorgeous. And she goes, oh, I'm so disappointed. Like, mm. that's not what I thought it was going to be. I was really hoping it would be more this and that. Yeah. And, of course, my heart sinks, you know, because I'm like, it's my personal mission to, like, make this happen. For sure. And so, okay, so then I'm in Soho just, like, kind of walking around trying to run errands, and I notice a cowboy boot shop. And I was like, oh, they might have, like, a leather conditioner or something. Because that already, on my mm. head, like, in my head was, like, a list of, like, I could try a leather conditioner. Right. I could try this and that. Anyway, walk in. Ask them if they have leather conditioner. They're asking me what for, and I'm like, that's for a sofa. And she goes, 
you know, I try to explain it to her. So she she points across the store and she's like, you see that guy over there, that Estonian guy. And it's just this super tall, bald, like ripped guy. Uh. Um, she's like, talk to him. So I go over there. He is like making these beautiful, like handmade leather bags. And like he makes these like handmade jackets and they're all just like beat up. Hmm. So anyway, so I go tell him, I'm like, hey, I've got this sofa and I'm trying to like, how do I break it in and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. He's like, give me a couple hours. I'll meet you at the apartment. I'll come look at the sofa. So I force my girlfriend. I'm like, please come meet me because I've got this Estonian guy coming. Yeah. I call him Estonian guy, but his name is Erki. Okay. And um, anyway, so he shows up and I'm telling you, he walks around it like a couple times. He's looking at it, like doesn't touch it yet. He's just thinking. And then he kind of starts like rubbing his hands on it. And then he kind of, he pulls out this little piece of sandpaper from his pocket and he starts sanding it. And I'm like, this is an expensive piece at this point. And I'm kind of like, okay, we're going for it. So then he starts like, he's like, touch it here and put your hands on it. And I forgot what we used. I think we even got some olive oil out at some point. Wow. We spent the evening like <laughs> just like going at the sofa. Yeah. It was just giving a good massage. Yeah, like massaging it. Yeah. My girlfriend is there too. And she's yeah. like, you know, we're, we're all like touching it and like, you know, rubbing it and like sanding it. And it was gorgeous. I don't know. Like it was a freaking, it worked. It worked. Wow. It was a miracle. I send her a picture just to be like, because hey, I had told her, I was like, I'm going to figure something out. Yeah. And so I sent her a picture and she she died. She still to this day is like, I cannot believe you pulled that off. Um, so it was just like, and we were doing it like in a construction site. Like yeah. It wasn't this like, oh, we just have to finish the sofa and we'll be done. That was like one yeah. piece of a million other things. There's like dust flying and electrical cords <laughs> yes, like loose. And, was. Yeah. There's like plastic wrapped yeah. around the kitchen cabinets. Oh, and man. we're like flipping the sofa over and we're like walking away from it and looking at it. And it was just like, it was the best. It it could have gone really wrong, and it went very right. So that's awesome. was a good adventure. Yeah, that is a good story. I love, like, the mysterious character you found, like, randomly in Soho. Oh, and stuff. I know. That's and even fun. to this day, he checks in. He's like, hey, yeah. do you have any projects you want to work on? <laughs> nice. And I'm always like, I wish. That's, like, yeah. my dream is that we could find another reason for us to do something crazy like that. But, um, yeah. So there's a good story. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Okay, so a few more personal kind of questions. Cool. I think we're at question six. What oh. gets you up in the morning? <laughs> the oat milk latte? Yes. <laughs> Fair. What advice would you give to your younger designer self? Okay, that's a good one. And it's a for me, it's like a pretty, it's a pretty, uh, it's a really important one. Um, because I wish so bad I could tell her this, but um I don't think any, I think what I've learned and what I wish I knew when I was younger is that no one's going to make the space for you. Like you need to make the space for yourself. Mm -hmm. And I would say that's in um, relationships with clients and also with your schedule and with kind of like your creative process. Hmm. You know, I think I, I have had to learn a lot about how to like create, and I guess most people just call them boundaries, yep. but to create boundaries and that how much, how beneficial that those would be for my creative process and for my relationships with my clients. And I mean, I really think you teach people how to treat you. And when you don't create that kind of like space for yourself or you don't treat yourself very well, I mean, you work yourself to the bone and you say yep. yes to every project and you take a lower, you take a lower fee because you yep. just want the opportunity. And in, and at the time, I think I saw that as like, oh, it's just what you got to do. Yep. And I think there's times for it, but in general, as like a theme in my life, it didn't serve me super well. Hmm. It put me in some pretty bad situations in that like I wasn't really getting what I needed out of it. And I, yeah. I don't think I was providing the best of myself because of, of that. So I think I would try to teach myself how to like basically how to create boundaries that would be really helpful for my process and for 
creating the best work mm. for my clients. So, yeah. yeah, that's that's a really good answer. I can totally resonate resonate with that. Um, you know, if you're working with a client and you you take a lower fee mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, I just want to get my foot in there, foot in the door, and get that project, then great. But they're always going to expect that yeah. you know whatever sure. compromise you you settled with, yeah, you know, lower fee or t- tighter timelines. It's like you're setting yourself up for more of that. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And I don't think I ever saw it that way. I think mm-hmm. as like a student or, you know, it's just like the harder I work, like the more accolades I'm going to get. Mm-hmm. And it's not it's not that you're not supposed to work hard, but you're definitely supposed to work for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And I think if it's for just pleasing someone all the time, it's not and it doesn't always end up being the best mm. setup. Well, OK, that's great. <laughs> Good advice for young Jessica. Yes, yes. She needed that. <clears throat> OK, question eight. Do you have a passion or a mission um, or like an, like some issues you, you feel strongly about that kind of work themselves into your like practice? Yeah. I mean, I think honestly, just that, just that thought about like creating space for yourself or having boundaries or anything like that. I think when it comes to design, um, I think intention is just super important. Hmm. And I think intention in the way that you make selections or how you go through the process or, um, yeah, what are your goals for the job in general? I think that's something that if I, yeah, if I check my intentions, if they're off, then that, or if something's not feeling right in the job, if I'm checking my intentions, that, that's often like an indicator mm. of like why things might not be working super well. Like if I, again, if I'm just looking to please somebody, mm-hmm. um, that's not always the best I might not be providing the best for them Mm -hmm. if it's just about like making them happy, which obviously is super important. But I I don't know. I think I've learned that um, that's not that shouldn't just be the only reason you're making decisions because, um, yeah, you have you have value in your perspective and your experience. Mm -hmm. And to be able to provide that to someone is just as important as like what they think they want. Hmm. You know, I mean, that's why they hire you. So, right. That's cool. I like that. Yeah, there's like a couple thing, a couple like nuggets in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. I don't want to answer. I don't want to accidentally answer one of your other questions with my answer. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to keep it at that. Save it. No, that's yeah. fine. Um, okay. So how about a few non-design related quick questions? Okay. So first, uh, what is something everyone should try, do or try at least once in their life? Okay. I think my the answer for this for me is travel by yourself. And like when I, I mean like by yourself. Oh, like, crazy. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Like do like go on like a full on. I mean, I've, I think I've dabbled in this because of work. So I've had like opportunities to travel where I was on my own and had to kind of figure stuff out. But um, I've done a few trips solo and I think it's so good. It's so good to just be comfortable in your skin. Like try going to a restaurant and like eating without looking at your phone and being by yourself. Like it's mm, a good practice. Yeah. It's like a good thing to experience and just be like cool. I'm just here taking it in. Like you're, I think you also have just this really like natural flow to how you spend your time. Mm. And when you're away from home, you're not spending your time on the things you think, you know, I've got to do my checklist. And so you're just like very, you're just like getting in touch with what, how you want to spend your time or what's important to you. You know, Mm. maybe you want to go spend some time outside. Maybe you want to go to a museum like, or or you go to a museum thinking, oh, I have to go to this museum just to, I've heard it's really important. And then you end up being there for four hours because you have no schedule. Like Mm. that is magic. And I think more people should learn to step outside of themselves to create those opportunities Mm. to be like surprised, you know? I love that. Like, and, and I never do that. Yeah, um, it's hard. And so you made me think like, okay, what 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 are the times when I have like traveled by myself, like a uh, half a day in Denver? Yeah. And it was great. I went to a coffee shop and I drew for like as long as I wanted to. Uh-huh, and, yeah. 
And then I did, I did once, yeah, like um, I was traveling in Europe and I was waiting to meet a friend. So I had like three days in Madrid and, yeah, and, exactly. and it was like, it, it, that was definitely out of my comfort zone. Cause I didn't know, I didn't really, I couldn't really talk to anybody, yeah, yeah. but like, I remember that experience, like mm-hmm. really it was, it stuck with me. So or kind of that sense of like, Oh, I haven't spoken out loud, like for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I'm not on my phone or I haven't mm-hmm. like just been like randomly chatting with someone. I, there's nothing wrong with any of those things, but to like give yourself little opportunities to experience what that feels like, it's kind of rare. And and I think even like a weekend, I, I did a trip to New Mexico a couple months ago and I went by myself mostly because I, I wanted my husband to come. I knew he wasn't going to be able to. And so mm-hmm. I was like, I think I still need to do it. And it's, it's amazing how you, it's fun to see how you spend your time. Cause sometimes I'm like, Oh, if I go on a trip by myself, I'll just like sleep in the hotel the whole time or like just be really lazy. But like, no, I actually am pretty like, you know, you kind of get rested and then the things that come after are pretty fun to see. Like maybe you'll take a side road or maybe you'll stop Mm. and draw or like anything like that. So anyway, go to a movie by yourself. Like just like get out there. I never do that either. Okay. (laughs) This is great advice. Okay, I'm doing it. Okay, cool. <laughs> Let's sometime next yeah. week. Yeah, yeah. Which activity would you turn into an Olympic sport for which you would win the gold? Sleeping. sleeping. <laughs> I okay. really like sleeping. Mm. And you think you're better at sleeping than I'm pre- the rest of the I'm country? Pretty good at it in that not just that I sleep all the time. Like I don't sleep all the time. I don't like take naps in the middle of the day. Like I'm not. But I I'm pretty good at going to bed, like in a pretty consistent time. Mm-hmm. And I'm really good at, like, I don't wake up at everything. My husband wakes up for Mm -hmm. everything. Like, the dog, like, walks across the floor, and he's like, oh, I'm awake. And Mm -hmm. I, like, if I, even when his alarm goes off earlier than I want to get up, I get, like, a happy feeling because I know I get to sleep more. Like, Mm -hmm. like, I'm so, I'm, like, so undeterred. And you, so you, you you do that sleep well, is kind of like, yes, I do sleep well. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's kind of more it. What do you, do you wear like, um, like a Fitbit or like a smart one? Mm -mm. Cause like they'll give you like a sleep score. Yes. I should do that to see if it's legit. Yeah. I want to know. If I just have like a false pride about it. Right. I want to know if you're getting like Mm 9.7s and stuff. I I wouldn't be shocked. I also, yeah, I'm, my dad's really good at sleeping. Like Mm. I remember in the morning, like coming into my parents' house room and being like hey I got this or that and like my dad would just sleep through it my mom would have to answer the question or like do the thing and like it's just he just can't be bothered like it's just like it's cool like mm. you guys do your thing I'm just gonna be here sleeping and that's kind of how I am that is a gift <laughs> yeah, like it's a gift. especially it's when you gift. have like a night where you're like not sleeping well you're like oh my gosh this is how like a lot of people and have I have those live, right? and so I think yeah exactly yeah. like I've gone through spurts actually I had a few rough I had a rough year where I had like a really hard time sleeping mm-hmm. and I I'm so grateful that my sleep is back. I'm just yeah. so grateful. Okay, I'm knocking on stuff. My yeah. head. And I also don't have kids, so like let's be clear, like I'm pretty spoiled. Yeah. With sleep. But if well, so we have a few kids and yeah. I think they 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 caught that from us or like they inherited the good sleep from us. So like once oh, they're sweet. down, they're down. Yeah. So, oh cool. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So you might have luck with Oh, the idea of like tiptoeing around. Yeah. That sounds horrible. Yeah. I was at, I was with my sorry, I'm like jumping in. You're I was fine. with my cousins at a cousin we have a cousin party every year. We go to Crown Burger. Mm. It's the classiest cousin party <laughs> around. Good anyway, idea. I'm holding this baby and I just look down and realize it's my cousin's baby. And I'm like, whoa, this dude is sleeping and it's so loud here. Like nuts. Like I want mm-hmm. my kids to be like that. Yeah. Because I like, yeah, just got to sleep when you got to sleep. Well, I wish the best for you. Having <laughs> kids you. like rolling the dice. You don't know what you're <laughs> yeah, going to get. Yeah, right. <laughs> for sure. Okay. Next question. <clears throat> what do you do outside of um, your practice um, in your free time that you consider to be positively influential on your design chops? Um, I, I spend as much time as possible. Well, I spend 
as frequent time as possible outside. So I usually am able to get in, um, you know, it's like, if I'm lucky, like four or five days on the trails, like with my dogs. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it's a good, again, I don't have kids. I'm so spoiled. I know. I travel by myself. I sleep in. (laughs) Um, No, I, yeah. So, and it does have a very positive effect. I, I mean, I can tell just if I'm able to like get outside um, step away, and even with my schedule, if 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 I can, I, don't know, I take my dogs with me to a lot of my appointments. I'll go to an appointment; they're good, they chill, and then like it's in Park City, say. And then on the way home, we'll go take an hour and a half and go hike. And then I go home and work. I'm able to work in the evening. My husband works late a lot of the time too, and mm. so like to me, that's like the balance, and it creates nice. so much more happiness in my process mm. than if I force myself into like a nine to five because I think that's what I'm supposed to do. Um, and then, yeah, so that's my, that's my thing. Okay, so I think that is a good segue to okay. some Salt Lake questions, yeah, right? Yeah, Because yeah. <clears throat> we we've had other people on, you know, um, actually like a lot of our guests, are, you know, talk about like the, the benefit of getting outside. And I feel like that's something so unique to Salt Lake. You can be on a trail yes. in like 10 minutes. For sure. And you're in the wilderness in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. So I'm interested in like how, how being in Salt Lake affects people's design process and like where they Supports, find inspiration. Yeah. One of the questions is like, do you have a happy place in Salt Lake kind of outside of your office? Yeah. I mean, the foothills would be a great start. I mean, anywhere the foothills. And, and like I said, I mean, getting out on the trail, like to me, it's not... Um, it's not like it's not fun or like I want to get like this big workout in like you said just walking and just like giving yourself a chance to like take a deep breath. So foothills, but second to that is Thule Bakery. They've got great oats. Thule, yeah. <laughs> do you? Is, do there's like a few there. a few locations. Yeah, now, right? and where, I hit up both. Okay, nice. It depends on where I'm going. Right. Yeah. Um, that one on the one at 15th and 15th mm-hmm. is like is I like it. It's very stark. It's like a museum yeah. cafe, right? Yeah. And, yeah, they were really stark at their one. You know on. Seventh, um, ninth, uh, yeah, eighth, yeah, ninth, seventh, somewhere, ninth and ninth area. Right. Um, and I think the space, like the layout, is different. Mm-hmm. So they, they, it seems like they followed that same rule, but the effect is so different because of the way the space is. In my mm-hmm. mind, it is very stark. It yeah, c- it can get pretty loud in there too. But but it's do you do you go and like work there? Or do you just kind of go and enjoy your drink and then? I don't take I off? usually work there. Yeah, yeah, I usually enjoy my drink. You yeah. know, say hey to my friends. Yeah, um, and. You know, like this, actually, I was there today, and I, you know, sat down, they have, they usually have, like, a physical New York Times, and so I'll sit mm-hmm. down and read that for a second, you know, if I'm waiting for something, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I just like that there's special, like, there's a handful of those little spots that I kind of just, like, it's my little reprieve, take yeah. a little break. I have to drive so much for my job. Oh, interesting. Like, I, yeah, unlike, you know, say, a product designer, a graphic designer, mm-hmm. you might spend a lot more time in one place. Totally. I'm, like... You know, I do my computer work, but then I'm also picking up things and dropping things off, yeah, lots yeah. of appointments. Yeah, wow. And so for me to find spots, like, on my image, I kind of have, like, my spots, like, between the hiking trails and then, like, a good coffee shop, like, mm-hmm. just kind of breaking up my day. Um, I I seek out those moments. That's cool. That's something I, I don't think about not being an interior designer, like, yeah. how much you have to r- run around. Mm-hmm. It's different in that way, for and, sure. It sounds it sounds nice because like if I'm stuck to my desk, then it's like the grass is greener and like I want to yeah. be running around. But yeah. like you're probably in the in traffic a lot and stuff. Okay. If I get stuck in traffic on I-15 on the way home, I'm just like this defeats the purpose. Like I have yeah. my own business, so I don't have to drive in traffic. Right. But like there's a day. Ugh, I hate to even admit it. There's a day last week where I had to be in Park City in the morning just to pick up a sample. 
and then in Alpine by one o'clock for a really big appointment. And then I made a few other stops and ended up in rush hour on the way home. And those are the rough, those are the bad days. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The bad days. And just like the air, you know, like you just want to do everything you can for this air. And then to be part of the problem like that is just hard on my heart. That's harsh. But yeah, that's a whole other topic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So, um, how does uh, being in Salt Lake like affect your creative process? Uh, I think Salt Lake has provided, uh, gosh, it's provided me with a lot of really good opportunities. And I think I've heard some of your other um, interviewees touch on this, yeah. but it's grown so much since I was young and the design exposure has grown. So people are so much more aware of what's going, you know, what what's out there and what, you know, the the range of options there are. Um, and I feel like Salt Lake's become a lot more exposed, a lot more educated in those types of things. But at the same time, it's kind of small enough that you can kind of make your way and maybe stand out a little bit. Because, hmm. you know, moving to New York, it was like I was just shocked. I'm like, there are so many talented people here. Right. But there's such a dense population of talent that you do feel like you're like, oh, I could end up in this rat race. You yeah. know, like I could end up at the bottom of this barrel for the rest of my life. And not that it's all about like, I don't know, a certain amount of like you know, prestige or something, but to feel like I can like be friends with professors at the U and also know a handful of product designers and also know a handful of interior designers Mm. and have it be this like nice, nice mix of exposure for all of us. Um, and kind of get like a sense, like you kind of have a handle on what's going on Hmm. instead of like in a big, big city. It's just, you are just a small fish in a really big pond and here. There's a lot of opportunity. I think I have to credit my husband for a lot of that, he he came here from the Chicago area and just thought he found Mecca mm. because he's into the outdoors and, you know, he rides bikes and he skis and or snowboards. Sorry. Yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah. Don't mess um, up. <laughs> so but he also saw all the design opportunities here and he mm. saw so much positivity in it. And I think I always I as a younger designer, always thought it was all about getting out. Yep. And he kind of, I think showed me like what are you talking about look what you have here like you have all these great opportunities like you can actually make a name for yourself or you can you know have a say in how things develop here where Mm -hmm. in some of those bigger places he came from such a huge spot that um Mm -hmm. yeah I think he kind of saw that before I did and had to kind of like help readjust my eyesight Mm -hmm. yeah it's really cool to be reminded from Mm -hmm. from outsiders like what what we've got for sure and I think when I was young too I there was a lot of like downer talk about Salt Lake. It was yep. just like, oh, this place is so weird. It's so backwards, this and yeah. that. And to come for someone to be like, what? This place is amazing. You guys are nuts. I was like, oh, yeah, it is. It is cool. <laughs> yeah. It's a good place. Yeah, It's just, a really great place. Just always. a little like shift of perspective. Yes, you know? exactly. See, Thank the, goodness. The glass. I, I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, but yeah, the glass half full rather than. For sure. I mean, the fact that I can, I get to like hike up a mountain in the snow with my dogs on the same day that I can like get it together and go to a great interesting meeting with clients that I really care about and get to help them with something I really care about it's mm. like dude that people don't get that in a lot of places so right it I'm is a dream lucky it's right? a dream it okay. is it's good I'm feeling don't tell anyone love. yeah exactly don't tell too many people don't move here no mm-hmm. we still want people to move here yeah yeah give us jobs <laughs> yeah um okay so let's jump to the creative process section Ooh. and the first question in that section is um the inspiration question where do you find inspiration? Ooh, um, as a Utah native, I mean, nature. Yep. It's just there. It's just what it is. It's like when I'm out um, and kind of thinking and I'm fussing about like work stuff and then all of a sudden I, I consider like a 
maybe a color combination or just anything like that, you know, that I see outside. I'm like, oh, there it is. Like, that's what that's what I needed to get to. That's cool. So, no, that's like a big a big deal. Um, I think also I've just been blessed with a lot of mentors. Like I have a ton of design mentors in Salt Lake. Hmm. And I think, um, yeah, taking in kind of their advice or their experience, I think would be a huge part of that too. So that Hmm. juxtaposition of like the full on, like nobody's, you know, it's like nature like has nothing to prove. It's got no agenda, no nothing. Hmm. um, And it can provide so much. But I think also the opposite of that is the people that are producing and producing things that I'm interested in or people that are just really care, have really great intention about what they're doing. It's hmm. like, that's, that's like the opposite end of that spectrum for me. And they're both really important. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so kind of related, and this is a, a fun question for me to ask because I don't know a lot of interior designers, like famous interior designers or anything. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. is, <clears throat> is there a famous or like maybe not even famous yeah. uh, interior designer or any de- kind of designer that you look up to yeah. the most right now? Yeah, right now, especially I've been really into um, Isla Crawford's work. And okay. she's, I think she's Danish. Oh, guys, gosh, I mm. hope I'm right. Um, or maybe she just lives there now. But um, she she has just some really cool um, ethos about what design's about. I mean, mm. she's super into, like, using natural materials that age well and, like, perform well over time and, and just really thoughtful design. She also started a program at a, like, prestigious interior design school in Europe that mm. was all about, like, the positive effects of design or like oh, I wish I should have written down the, the exact verbiage but right. it's it's about like you know how does it make you feel what are the senses mm. you know the the smells and the feel and the all the kind of stuff like how it goes into like your wellness basically and like how design affects wellness mm. um and so I'm really into her stuff I think I like her stuff because I think aesthetically I'm attracted to her work but I also I would like to think that if you have like a solid ethos that as trends change and as, you know, different things come and go that that if that's consistent, then like your work stays strong hmm. and relevant. And so, yeah, she's my girl right now. Yeah. What a great recommend. Yeah. She's um, a good one. Isla? She's got a few books. Isla. Isla Crawford. Yep. Um, this is, it's so funny. My Amazon like cart is Wish growing. List? Yeah. Yeah. It's huge after doing this podcast. Like, Oh, cool. That's it, good. It, it, every, that's the point. Yeah. yeah for sure. I love it. No, she's. Yeah, she's really inspiring. Okay, can't wait to look her up. I think this is a good question for you because you've been, you know, running your own practice for for some years now. Do you have some some advice for working with clients, or how do you how do you educate your clients on on the value of good design? Good design, oh, yes, that's a hard one. Yeah, I think I think interior designers have like a very unique relationship with their clients. I mean, it's a very personal process to be designing someone's home, and and I think it's why I like residential design because I like the personal relationships, but it can definitely bring up conflict. It can bring Mm. up, you know, you really get into what people's priorities are. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think, I think the best way I could say it is like, I I think it's important to explain why you're making the choices you were making. And so instead of it just being like, Oh, this is so cool. Or this is like, you know, this will have a, what's a, like, you know, the wow factor is like probably my least favorite phrase. Yeah, it works though. Yeah, it does work. But no, I think it's like more like, I think this would work well for you because of the durability or because of this or because, you know, you told me from the beginning that keeping things, you know, in a neutral palette was really important to you. So Mm -hmm. like, let's keep your backgrounds neutral and we can add more color and texture into the items that are, you know, you might switch out your pillows or something like that, you know, just talking them through that process. Mm. And I think everything should be 
you should be able to explain why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. It doesn't, it's not a magic trick. It's not, you know, it's not like, oh, I've got all the power and I'm just, you know, showing you. It's yeah. more like about understanding what's important to them and then being able to explain to them, you know, kind of walk them through the process of it. Mm, yeah. And if, if that's kind of like your MO to to walk people through your thought process, then yeah. then you are required to have a thought process. Exactly. It's right? true. So yep. that you kind of like backfill with, you know. Yeah. And I think that's your... healthy for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To be able to like get a chance to explain why, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes I might not know why. And if they push back, then I have to like really understand that. And I could also, you know, they could call you out and you could be like, you're right. That wasn't that wasn't yeah. the right thing. Yeah. And I think I kind of lost track of this other priority. Um, and so, so yeah, it's a good, uh, you know, thermostat for how things are going. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's kind of nice to like have some vulnerable vulnerability oh, yeah, as sure. a designer sometimes just be like, yeah, I, I don't know that answer yeah. or like, yeah, you're wrong. I need, you're right. I need to look that up or something, For sure. you know, yeah. <clears throat> I go back and forth with like how, how much like confidence do I need to like fake versus yeah. like, how can I just be real and like say like, yeah, Completely. I haven't, I haven't done a flashlight before. Sorry. Like yeah. I, I have to learn along with Completely. you, you know? No, you're right. Exactly. It's, I, it's like a new, a newer thing for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds shady, yeah. but like. It's newer for me to say, like, no, we should always be able to say the truth. Like, what mm-hmm. is the truth of the moment? And if the truth of the moment is that you are putting your heart into this and it's still not where you want it to be, like, it's okay to say that. Mm-hmm. And I think it should always be okay to say that because that's really part of the process. Yeah. But I think you're right. You do, you know, you have to say, yeah, I can do that, you know, even yeah. if you don't know yet because, like, you know you can. You just have to get through the process right. before you can prove it to yourself. That's so you a good point. Do, yeah, you do need to have both. I totally agree. And maybe clients don't realize like that that even if you don't know, you're going to know. Or you're if yeah. you don't know the answer, you're going to find out. Mm-hmm. Like just, you know, and be I think patient. Yeah. And yeah. I think that can be a hard thing to explain to clients. Yeah. Like the process sounds yeah. like this big idea and it seems sounds like this like, you know, designer word. Yeah. But it is everything. Mm-hmm. And trying to even just say, okay, I mean, one thing I actually have come to and been able to explain, you know, to like verbalize for myself and my clients is say, like, I like to start broad. Let's talk about the big ideas and then we'll get down to the little ones. Mm. You know, like that's a way to explain process. That's cool. Because if if they're, you know, asking you questions about hinge colors, but we haven't, I mean, literally that, those questions come up for me. What color is the hinge going to be? But we haven't like gotten down to the big picture ideas. Yeah. Like it's literally impossible for me to know that answer. And I shouldn't be putting pressure on myself that I should, mm-hmm. you know, to be like, oh, I should know that because I'm a designer. But it's yeah. like, no, I get back to that process. Mm-hmm. Like, what is what is the way that we're thinking about this job in big picture? And like, how is that going to inform our little decisions? Mm-hmm. I love that as a preface to you. Like, hey, we're, we're starting broad. Yes. So that's where we're at. We'll get For to sure. the details. But just like even just to explain mm-hmm. that at the beginning. I think yeah, that's, yeah that's one of the one of like the visuals that's helped me or mm-hmm. just the explanations that helped me just as much for myself. Yeah, you know, because totally. You know, clients, they say, what are the deliverables? I mean, when I first got that question, I was like, I was speechless because I'm like, I don't know. What are my deliverables? Like, what am I providing? Right. And then when I was able to put it in that, those terms, it's like, oh, I'm going to get you all this stuff. Like, we are going to get to every last detail, but this mm-hmm. is how, you know, instead of it just being like, you know, I've gotten there. I, I, I put together schedules. I, mm. I put together a lot of stuff now that I've developed over time. But mm. anyway, it's not, it's a little... Ethereal at some points. Yep. You know, and they for think sure. it's a little bit magic, but it's not. It's yeah. the process for sure. Yeah. And it, it takes time. Answers. You just have to fight for that time and that time to yes, do the process. Exactly. Yes, for sure. Um, so, do you have a favorite tool? That, that we, we ask this question sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but like, yeah. do you have like a favorite, like a uh, physical tool or piece of art supplies or, or a digital tool 
that you kind of feel like is maybe a secret weapon that that you'd want to share with audience? Yeah, I mean, I'd share it. I think um, InDesign, Adobe mm. InDesign, yeah. I'm just like a big fan. Right. It's helped me so much. You know what I love about it is like, I don't know, my husband's a product designer, and mm-hmm. so he's, like, big on Illustrator. Yeah. He can do anything in Illustrator. Yep. And I'm always, like, fighting for InDesign. And InDesign is actually a really good—I think it's, like, a analogy for what I do because, like, I don't build the furniture. I don't actually, like, physically provide anything, but I, like, show them how you can put it together. Mm-hmm. And InDesign, like, you don't do the design work in it, but it, like, it, like brings it all together. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Don't, I don't think I've ever thought about it until I said it that way, but— yeah. I, it's it's funny. It's like little picture frames mm-hmm. that you like assign what you want to go into it, and it's pulling from a different folder. Yeah, and it's really just like these little win- picture frames into like the way I see things. Mm. But I'm pulling from all these resources. You yeah, know? you're like the conductor. You're like conducting yeah, the orchestra, yes, put, putting totally. them together. Yeah, in design sure. is your conductor wand. It or can be. <laughs> it does, and I think especially a lot of my jobs right now are um, either the people have homes in Utah and they don't live here or they're, they're just remote, you know, Mm. like my, I'm working on projects that are outside of Salt Lake as well. And so I have to rely on really great communication skills and really the best way I can visually explain things and InDesign helps me do that. Mm. So there's your good plug. Yeah. Good plug. They can send me, you know, programs anytime they want. Sponsor me. Yeah. Adobe, you're Utah now. Right. Sponsor us. Utah designers. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Adobe, they're they're sticklers. I don't <laughs> yeah, think they're going to sponsor yeah, it. Probably. Anyway. <laughs> this is the pontification section, last part of the interview. Bring it on. Question seventeen: How do you describe bad design in general? Ooh, I I I like to be very open, you know, to lots of different designs. I yeah. I don't. I'm not. I don't usually fall squarely on like, oh, that's bad. Yeah. Because, for example, like if there's like a restaurant or, you know, some hotel or something I go to that I'm like, this is the wackiest thing. But I also can appreciate like who thought this up, like who spent time on this. Who cares? So I start by saying there's some, you know, there's some bad design that I think is fascinating. Yeah. Like what's the story behind that? Yeah. Like someone was stoked on this. Right. You know, like someone like put a lot of thought into this. Like you can't, especially when it's like. There's all this crazy stuff going on. Like, it's one right. thing if there's just nothing. Yeah, true. But if there's a lot going on, someone put time into that. Yeah, like what kind of shit storm happened yeah. and like this came out yeah, of it. Exactly, you know? that someone was like, this is what we're going <laughs> to yeah. do. That's cool. Um, but that said, I think bad design, it probably based on like bad intentions mm. is probably the best way that I could like when I see things that really make me kind of like recoil. It's yeah. usually because you can tell it was for kind of like, you know— some trend that they, you know, tried to be reinterpreted and maybe it wasn't super successful because right. like I think a lot of the time just because something works one place, it doesn't work another. And mm-hmm. sometimes that can feel really mismatched. And yeah. that's that's probably what stands out to me. Oh, I like that. That's a good yeah. answer. Yeah. Like people trying to steal your attention or, you know, yeah, right? take your money or something. You can mm-hmm. kind of feel it. Yes, completely. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. like, mm, this isn't this has got a bad vibe. Yeah, that's great. But, I mean, it's not great, but I love yeah, the answer. Yeah. OK, cool. <laughs> um, OK, so. What is true creativity to you? I think I think true creativity happens when we give ourselves space to just allow our natural creative resources to like come to the top. And mm. it goes back to that giving yourself space, yeah. uh, giving yourself space in your creative process, you know, not being quite as rigid about like I have to produce this in this one way. It's the only way to do it. It's just like when I create, when I, 
open space, like the creativity part just comes. Mm. Um, I can't force it. And if I force it, it usually goes bad. <laughs> like yeah. it usually is not satisfying for me. It's usually not as satisfying for my clients. Mm. Um, but so, yeah, I think creating space, whether that's taking a walk or, you know, mixing up your schedule a little bit. Um, maybe it means that you have to do it. Sometimes for me, it means I have to do after hours because I'm not getting distracted by calls or emails or anything. So just mm. finding that like room for myself is where creativity comes from. For I like me. that. We've had a lot of designers talk about like meditation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so maybe part of like, you know, going on walks for sure is mm-hmm. like kind of that meditative thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you do you like actually sit and like, med- you know, yeah, meditate? Yeah, I am or? a busy, I have a, such a busy mind that I got to say meditation is really intimidating for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. So when I can, when I can um, use like physicality mm-hmm. along with a meditative thing. So if yep. it's walking or if it's yoga or if it's... Yep. Um, riding my bike or anything like that, I can get to a meditative state. Right. Like, it's a much more comfortable meditative state. Uh, yeah. Where the I full, you. you know, it's weird. Like even like, you know, how you're supposed to sit up like on yeah. a flat surface, like that really hurts my back. Yeah. Like, I don't know hard. what's wrong. I'm like, is there something anatomically like no, wrong no. with my back? That's hard for everybody. You're but I feel crazy. like I'm like, something about this just doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. So I've, I've had to give myself a break on that one, but mm-hmm. I do, yeah, I do find it in other ways. Um, because it's it's super yeah I mean it's meditation is what that is you know it's mm-hmm. just that kind of like that rhythm yeah. and that like space you know making that headspace mm-hmm. exactly is there a myth about design that you would like to debunk there's no right answer that's mm. something that I think a lot of my clients they kind of want me to give them that answer yeah. and what I realize is that it's it's something that they're projecting. It's something they've seen that they think is the right answer because maybe they've seen it a bunch or their cousin did it or, you know, whatever. But there's a right answer for you and there might be multiple right answers for you that we can, like, work through and we can select from. Mm. But I think it's a myth that designers have these, like, magical answers. Like, this is is the kind of kitchen countertop you're supposed to do or Mm. this is the kind of... I mean, that's often what it is. It's like, do you do... You know, once a client asked me, do you do nine or 10 foot ceilings in your basements? I was like, it's, I mean, that's a big question. Like yeah. if you're working in Sugar House, like that's not an option, right. you know? So, so yeah, it, it just depends on a lot of different things. And that's cool. No right answer. Love nope. that. Okay. So last question. Wow. Question 20. I want to go back to the beginning. One of the first questions, um, cause I, I think it's something that we, we had talked about a little before about uh, a favorite book you might yes. have yeah. that you could share. So a favorite book on creativity and or design. Yes, I have a good answer for this one. Um, so my husband, once again, he's like my <laughs> design supporter. Yeah. Um, there's a book called Design is a Job um, by Mike Montiero. Okay. And it actually, it, it's funny, I like tried to avoid bringing up the book so many times because so many of your questions, I think he helped clarify. Ah. You know, so he, what I love about this book is that it talks about basically that design is a process and you can learn the process and you can get really good at the process and you can become a very good designer, um, through that, but that people assuming that it's something that you you just have and you can give to them right away. It's like, that's a farce. And so that like that, that process is, it's the only way. Mm. And, um, so don't feel like you should just like magically have the answer. I think, and that's something that I think helped just 
mentally for me. I think I was always putting a lot of pressure on myself that like, oh, if I was good enough, I would know the right answer to that question. Mm. But it's about the process that provides the questions or sorry, provides the answers. Um, He also does some really good outlining of like, if this is going on in your client relationship, like this is not the right client for you. And he just like lays it out. Like he's really pretty strict about it. Like it sounds like in his own career, he's He's outlined kind of these are the requirements, and if you don't meet those requirements, like this is not the right relationship. Hmm. And I very often fall into this category of like if I'm good enough, I'm going to be the right designer for this client. Mm -hmm. Like it's like this challenge, like, oh, I'm going to make you so happy. You're going to love me. Like I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to blow your mind. But that's really a farce, and it's like it can send you down some really bad paths Mm -hmm. with your own work, with your client relationship yeah, and to recognize there are certain things that are required for it to be a good, um, positive experience for both of you. Mm. And there's no ego in recognizing that like, this might just be a bad, this might be a bad, um, you know, setup for us. Like I'm not the right designer for you. You're not the right client for me and just kind of owning that. And that's just like, Ooh, I just kind of blew my mind when I read that. And he also does a really good job of outlining, like if these problems are coming up for you, like you're the, you're the one that's out of line, like oh. as the designer, like it's not just like, oh, the designer, you know, is always right. It's like, yeah. if you're doing this, if these things are coming up for you, then like you need to like get on top of that. You need to check yourself. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and he just does a really good job of outlining that. Um, and yeah, there's all sorts of good stuff in there. Awesome. I think there's really good stuff about kind of like debunking the myth of like, especially that thing I said about the process. It yeah. also it comes to like the professionalism and like owning your value and mm-hmm. like getting your value out of your clients or your clients recognizing your value, paying for what that, you know, monetarily means and just kind of owning that as part of the process and not questioning it or looking for ways to like make people happy. Like, Oh, I'll give you a discount or something because it also kind of, it teaches them that like you have a lower value product Mm, and that kind of sets you up for, yeah. I, I always thought just like, Oh yeah, doing favors or whatever is the best way to do it. And it actually sets up for some bad dynamics Hmm. because it's hard to make someone a priority if they're not paying you your value. Totally. So, so yeah, it's a good one. Okay, design is a job. Check it out. Yep, it's, it is a job. Okay. For reals. Awesome. Well, I learned so much sitting with you today. Oh, Thank you. Nice of you. I yeah. feel like I want to do another one and I get to interview you. Right. And I, I like want to catch up. So, yeah. Right, totally. I know someday it'll happen. Yeah. It'll probably be like Christian or somebody. But, <laughs> yeah, um, cool. But yeah, thanks again. Um, it was really sure. awesome to like kind of dive into your brain, cool. you know, and kind of, you're brave. Pick, pick apart your creative process. So Sweet. thanks for sharing. Thank you so much for having me.